there's three components to our practice. We have a wound care component where we round in nursing homes and we take care of patients that have issues with wounds in the nursing home. We also have our in-office practice where we see patients that are either discharged from the nursing home or patients that have issues with wounds that do not heal well. So we take care of them in the office. And then our third component is the aesthetic side. So the thought process and why I merged those two together, number one, because I'm trained in both and board certified in both, but more importantly, because it's a great balance between your insurance-based reimbursement from a business standpoint and your retail, quote unquote, fee-for-service business side on the aesthetics. So, you know, you kind of have a great balance of either. Uh, and, you know, when you need to delegate resources to one, you're not necessarily losing resources to another, specifically on COVID. You're listening to How I Scaled My Aesthetic Clinic, the podcast where the most high-performing owners of aesthetic clinics and med spas from all over the world tell their stories and share the strategies and insights that allowed them to grow their business from often humble beginnings to soaring success. If you've ever tried to build a clinic, you'll know that it takes a lot more than just being a great doctor or practitioner, and it helps when you learn from the best in the industry. So join me, Miriam Shaviv, host and director of content at Brainstorm Digital, as we explore how aesthetic clinic owners just like you have developed the mindset, skills, and experience to transform their businesses, and how you can do the same. Let's jump in. Aesthetic clinic owners have different arms to their business. You might typically combine a med spa with a laser center, a plastic surgery center, or maybe a dermatology practice. Dr. Jonathan Johnson's combination is unique. He's founder and surgical director of Capital Aesthetic and Laser Center and of comprehensive wound care services in Washington, D.C. In fact, he's affectionately known as Dr. Wounds. I'm going to talk to him today about how he manages two such different practices, serving largely different patient populations, and how the two sides of his business support and promote each other. In addition to his medical qualifications, Dr. Johnson has an MBA from the Cary Business School at John Hopkins University, and he works extensively with underprivileged and underserved groups in the population, typically patients of color. Let's dive in. Dr. Jonathan Johnson, welcome to How I Scaled My Aesthetic Practice. Thank you. Happy to be here. Definitely welcome to, uh, looking forward to speaking with you today. Fantastic. So first of all, you're very unusual because you have two very different sides to your business. You have a wounds care side and you have the aesthetic Correct. side. Correct. Tell me a little Correct. bit about what your business actually looks like. Great. So my background is general surgery. Uh, I, had, I did a fellowship in uh, the hand and plastic side. And so we focused on not only reconstruction from a wound care standpoint, but also kind of the aesthetic side. And the way that those two businesses kind of work together is that wound care is reconstruction and plastics is reconstruction and plastics is also aesthetics. So it's a symbiotic relationship because patients that typically have wounds need their wounds healed. And after the wound is healed, there's a scar that's usually present and that scar needs treatment in order to, you know, give that patient an aesthetic result that they're happy with. And so that's kind of the symbiotic relationship between the two. Once the wound is healed, 
there's an aesthetic component that helps the patient feel better about themselves. So at Comprehensive Wound Care Services, as well as Capital Aesthetic and Laser Center, we try to offer both of those healthcare resources so that the patient has an excellent result and feels great about themselves. So are they actually two different businesses or how, how does that work practically? Correct. So there are two different businesses. Uh, and one of the businesses has a couple rooms on you know, one side of uh, our medical space. And the other one has about four rooms on the other side of our medical space. So we have laser, uh, laser therapy, which we utilize for all the general components. But we also use the later laser for scar revision and for helping a lot of those patients that have long-term scars after the wound is healed. So literally, we're a one-stop shop for surgical procedures that are wound care-based and non-invasive aesthetic procedures, which also includes lasers as well. So that's kind of how we branch and kind of use the practice in both wings, uh, both businesses in one practice. So has the wound side <laughs> affected the choice of which aesthetic treatments you offer? Good question. So... The wound side has not necessarily affected how we treat our aesthetic side. We literally take any patient, right? So there's four, there's probably about five major types of wounds. You have your pressure ulcers, your venous, you have your ischemic ulcers, you have your post-surgical and typically your diabetic. And then there's another category, which is atypical. So we try to heal all of those wounds and we basically throw our entire wound care toolbox at trying to make those wounds heal or trying to help those wounds heal. And then at that point, we pick which patient works well on the aesthetic side. For instance, pressure ulcers are typically on the bottom. So you don't necessarily need laser reconstruction on a wound that's on your bottom because typically people won't see. Sometimes patients want those uh, improved as far as a scar is concerned, but the majority of the time, you know, wounds on the leg, wounds on the arms, Sometimes wounds even on the feet, you know, is something that we can utilize aesthetic resources for so that those wounds can improve and get better. So it sounds like there's a serious patient flow from the wound sides to the aesthetic. Is that, is that one way or is it? Um, it well, one? typically a little bit, yes. So how we market our practice is that we have the wound care side and we have the aesthetic side. Once the wound is healed, then we approach the patient or chat with the patient to say, hey, listen, there are options for scar revision. There are options for this scar to uh, be a little bit more aesthetically pleasing. And we offer those resources on the other side of the practice. And just by the two businesses being in the same office location, the patient can come in and see that we have aesthetic resources on one side and that those resources are available for the patient as soon as we can heal their wound completely and effectively. So how do you, as the business owner, um, mm -hmm. manage to, well, I would say they're very different sides of the business. You've just described how in some ways they're, um, as you said, they're symbiotic, but at the end of the day, they are two different businesses with Correct. different clientele, probably two different, you know, lo lots of different issues. Correct. So how do you manage, how do you balance the two sides of the business as the business owner? Great question. So, so there's three components to our practice. We have a wound care component where we round in nursing homes and we take care of patients that have issues with wounds in the nursing home. That's our mobile practice. We also have our in-office practice where we see patients that are either discharged from the nursing home or patients that have issues with wounds that do not heal well. 
So we take care of them in the office. And then our third component is the aesthetic side. So the thought process and why I merge those two together, number one, because I'm trained in both and board certified in both, but more importantly, because it's a great balance between your insurance-based reimbursement from a business standpoint and your retail, quote unquote, fee-for-service business side on the aesthetics. So, you know, you kind of have a great balance of either. Uh, and, you know, when you need to delegate resources to one, you're not necessarily losing resources to another, specifically on COVID. I mean, you know, I'm sure everyone knows at length how COVID has affected the majority of medical practices, large and small, but having that balance really helped us when revenue on the aesthetic side declined, when we weren't able to do fee-for-service procedures because we still had two entities from a wound care standpoint that were reimbursement-based. And you know, more importantly, the nursing homes were really struggling to find healthcare resources. So we were really able to fill in that gap and help those patients that were in need specifically during that time and still now. So, so you deliberately, so first of all, it's clear that having diverse income streams is very useful to you, but- Very useful, but, correct. But was that a deliberate decision that you understood that you needed different income streams? And correct, so, correct. So that was, that was very deliberate. Um, I think what, what the business uh, aspect of everything is now, as far as you know, putting your medical to your aesthetic side is, you have a primary care doc that will also try to do a little bit of aesthetics. And I think that model, that business model is starting to grow even more. But, you know, I'm not primary care trained, number one. But number two, wound care is very close to aesthetics because at the end of the day, you're trying to improve that aesthetic issue or you're trying to improve that aesthetic wound or, or whatever uh, clinical condition the patient is having. So being trained in both of those, it was just kind of easy to put those two together. So in terms, practically now, right, in terms yes. of how do you manage your time and your efforts, is it kind of split equal <laughs> between the two parts of the business or um, how do you actually manage that balance practically? I mean, that's, a, that's, that's a great question. I mean, I don't even understand the concept of what time is, you know, if I sleep more than five hours a night, there's something wrong. <laughs> I've, I've, no, I've noticed that that's a recurring theme with all the clinic yes. owners that I that I that I interview. Yes. You know, or they all work extreme. They all have a very very hardworking um, work ethic. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I mean, you, you got to really stay focused. So I mean, so my typical schedule is I round in the morning and I take care of the wound care patients at some of our long term care entities, and I have providers that are helping us fulfill those contracts. And then the afternoon I come to the office and two days out of the week, I see my wound care patients. And the other three days out of the week, I see my aesthetic patients in the afternoon. So from a, from a pr provider clinical standpoint, it's a great flow as far as decreasing the monotony of doing the same thing over and over and over again, which I think is great from a sanity standpoint, but it also helps you bring in and look to increase your skill set because if you stay focused on only one skill that's great you know but if you increase your ability to be clinically savvy in other aspects of healthcare you can really help a lot you know you can help more patients but then you also diversify yourself from a business standpoint 
so that you can learn that aspect of the business, grow it, and then train others to help you scale that side. And so that's one of our main So what, what have you learned from the wound side that you brought to the aesthetic side? So from the wound care side, it's, it's very different from a clinical standpoint as far as patient interaction, specifically in nursing homes, because the majority of the patients, you know, they're, they could be demented, some of them are immobile, they're non-communicative. And so having, understanding how to treat a patient without them necessarily speaking to you is key. But the most important thing I've learned from being in the, the long-term care from a wound care standpoint is interacting with the staff and interacting with the teams. And that clinical continuity of care is what we brought over to the aesthetic side. So I don't care where you went to medical school, you know, where you went to residency, fellowship, how high you've obtained from a clinical standpoint, healthcare is all, all, always about customer service, compliance, and continuity care, and focusing on the patient. And I think that understanding that concept is key. So what I mean basically is that I'm rounding at several different locations with several different team members and all of them have different personalities. So understanding how to manage that, how to work with that and how to be a team player, we've really brought that concept over to the aesthetic side where we can focus not necessarily about always the revenue standpoint, but great case patient care, you know, and making sure that we partner with our patient to give them a be the best aesthetic result. So I've heard you say before that great patient care is really mm -hmm. something that you believe in very, very strongly. Key. So right. what, what, you know, lots of people, the truth is a lots of clinic owners will say, and they, they, they'll, they'll say it on their website, you know, we yes. take care of you. Sometimes they believe it's a big differentiator, uh -huh. but uh -huh. a lot of people are saying that. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what do you do in terms of patient care that you really think you're something you're really, really proud of and that others may not do and that really genuinely sets you apart? So as far as patient care, what we really like to focus on is number one, listening to what the patient needs. Because sometimes the patient will come in and they'll tell you what they want, but through the conversation and through the interaction, you find out what they really need. So we use that opp opportunity to not necessarily to upsell them on other products that we may have, but we build a rapport so that when they leave there, the number one thing is they say, you know what, Capital Aesthetic and Laser Center really listened to me. You know, they, this, they took the time, we focused on what I needed, we came up with a management plan, I felt confident that these are board certified providers and that's where I wanna go. And that's what builds your reputation, that's what builds your overall marketing, it's better than any Instagram. So, you know, listening to that patient and focusing on that patient is key. And the way that we built the, built the practice is that from a revenue standpoint on the wound care side, you know, we can continue to do well where we don't have to churn and burn so much on the aesthetic side that we're trying to get as many patients in as possible. It gives you the space to be able to treat people on the aesthetic side with more, exactly. with more take more time with them, pay them more attention. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's one aspect of what really sets us apart is that we're not there to churn and burn as many patients as possible. Our, our point is to partner with our patient. If we provide great results, they will con continue to come back and then they'll tell 10 other people and we're okay with that revenue. We're, we're okay with that gradual flow. 
The other aspect of how we're a little bit different in that standpoint is that the, the providers that we partner with that work with us already have a patient base. So we're providing a board certified um, environment where they can learn different procedures and where they can hone their clinical skills, but also invite their patients to, you know, an aesthetically pleasing environment that's safe, that's compliant, that takes care of them, but they're also seeing the provider that they're used to seeing. So and what you're so, talking about here is actually a, a, a slightly different business model. Correct. Right? Correct. So our, our business model and business strategy focuses on um, the patient first, but also the provider. So the way that we market, we market our providers and our providers, you know, can be in the DC area, they can be in the Maryland area, they can be in the Virginia area. And we want them to be able to work with Capital Aesthetics to bring their patients to our location to provide and have great care. And in turn, we will work with them so they can continue to build their own brand. So, so they're, they're not just renting, you know, some, some uh, clinics have this model where other mm -hmm. providers can rent rooms from them. That's not right. what you're doing though. You're putting these people on a kind of partnership track. Is that right? Exactly. So, it's, you know, without giving out too much information, I, I think the whole renting out thing it, it is kind of common to like a barbershop or a hair salon. That's not what we're interested in. We're interested in a long-term partnership with our providers because at the end of the day, I want them to grow. I want them to, you know, be very clinically savvy, you know, really have a great educational experience and they can scale their practice. And in turn, that continues to perpetuate the strength of the brand. Uh, and how, how long are they expected to stay with you when they come under well, the umbrella? It, it just kind of depends. I mean, we have all different type of contract variations. And really we work with the provider to make sure that the provider has what they need and also Capital Aesthetics brand continues to grow without disruption. So it's not necessarily a, anything is set in stone. I mean, we have providers that are seeing, you know, 20 to 25 patients per week at other locations in, you know, rural Virginia or in, you know, the suburbs of Maryland and, you know, they have a high clientele that is in DC and they, they're looking for a location to practice, but they don't want to be under the umbrella of another entity where they're being paid per hour or some type of commission based. They kind of want to bring their practice to a strong brand in a great location that's safe, et cetera. So, and that's kind of where we've shifted to. And it's really been very beneficial for us because our whole goal is to continue to work with our providers. I want them to stay educated, stay strong, and, and be really focused on excelling from a clinical standpoint. And again, having the wound care practice, that's a sustainable insurance-based um, revenue resource, allows us to be able to do that. And so I'm assuming that when these providers start working with you, that you said they're bringing their patients with, but then presumably there's some cross-referral there as well, I would imagine. Correct, correct. Definitely cross-referral. And, you know, Capital Stacks ourselves, we have our own patients, you know, that have been coming in before each one of these providers. So working with a provider that's bringing their own patients, and we introduce some of our general volume to them and vice versa. And then it's a symbiotic relationship that works out you know, for that specific provider. If you want to be there two days a week, great. And you want to work or provide care somewhere else, fine. As long as where you're providing doesn't have an issue with you working with us, great. Well, what are the challenges of this, of this model? 
I mean, the main challenge, obviously, is making sure that the providers stay engaged and making sure that providers continue, you know, to learn. I mean, to be perfectly honest, we haven't had a huge issue with, uh, you know, patients not coming back or patients not wanting to continue with us. If the provider, for instance, moves to New York, you know, we still retain some of that patient clientele and we'll take it. You know, if we don't get all of it, that's fine. But the way that our business model works is that we want to continue that continuity so that we're also a great brand for the provider, not only the patient. And um, as you said, you, you put them on some kind of partner track. Is that right? How, how does that Correct. Work? And then exactly. So, you know, we work with the provider. We come up with a number that they feel is comfortable for both sides and if they hit those goals, then we're looking at a potential partnership track where they can continue to build their skills, but also partner with us to continue to grow. And, you know, I think in healthcare, a lot of times, as you guys probably know, you know, healthcare is a situation where the physician is generating way more than they're actually being paid at any aspect. This is the hospital, this is a clinic, this is urgent care, this is a partnership in a large group, whatever there's a certain percentage that you are making for that practice that is giving that practice a net income. And, or if you weren't, you wouldn't be there or they would find another business model of how that would work. Um, you know, our whole goal is to let that provider, pro, you know, provide their services, you know, uh, from a, uh, a, a, a standpoint where they feel comfortable that they can continue to grow on their own if they want to. Okay, we're just going to take a very, very quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk yeah. a little bit about your background and also um, zero in on who your patients are, which I think is interesting in and of itself. We'll be back in a second. Hey, it's Miriam here again. During this break, I have a quick question for you. Could you use some more Threadlifts patients? How about some more body sculpting patients? If the answer to either of those questions is yes, then we have two campaigns you can implement right now to generate new inquiries and bookings. The Threadless campaign is based on one we've run extremely successfully for three aesthetic clinics in Honolulu, LA, and London. So it's tried and tested on two continents and we've been refining and optimizing it ever since. But don't take my word for it. We've got a case study explaining exactly how the Threadless campaign works to bring in new patients and the kind of results it's generated. I've put the link in the show notes. Just head down there right now to grab your copy. And if you'd like to discuss how it can work for your clinic, my email address is in that document as well. We're also running a case study group right now for clinics that want to attract more body sculpting and skin tightening patients. We'll be working with you very closely to generate immediate appointments, both from new leads and from your existing patient list, and to create a body sculpting sales funnel that can bring in more high value appointments long-term. To find out more about how it works, email me at miriam at brainstorm-digital.co.uk. That's miriam at brainstorm-digital.co.uk. And I'll send you the details right now. Now let's get back to the show. Hi, everyone. We're here with Dr. Jonathan Johnson um, on the How I Scaled My Aesthetic Practice podcast. Um, Jonathan, I wanted to tell me a little bit about your background. I know that you, it, it, that you grew up in a medical environment, right? I did. I did. I was... I was very fortunate to have two great parents and uh, a great family environment. My father 
was a practicing dentist for close to 46 years. And my mother ran the, the practice and was the operational side and, you know, got her master's of business and fluent in Spanish. So he had a great resource to help him grow. So as a, as a child, you know, I was fortunate enough to kind of see how that business, that family ran, the family run business worked and how a single clinical practice can grow and scale, et cetera. And I mean, I did everything from sweep up to, (laughs) well, well, I'm I'm not a dentist, (laughs) you know, because I I can't stand sputum. I mean, it's just like the one thing, every healthcare provider has one issue that they can't, that that is not their favorite. And for some reason, sputum and spit is mine. So I was like, dad, I love you. I can't do this. But, but, you know, I also wanted to kind of blaze my own path. You know, I, I wanted to kind of branch out and kind of stake my own claim and, I was fortunate to be what, able to what, chat. What, with what do you learn um, from watching <clears throat> your parents really run their own clinic for so long? What do you take well, from that? You're going to have your ups and downs. I mean, you know, there's going to be times when revenue's coming in, everything is great, and there's going to be times where you have to pivot and partner with other organizations or find better providers or navigate the real estate aspect of things and and make sure that you're providing great, uh, you know, great continuity of care at, you know, all in once. So, you know, as, as a kid growing up and, you know, like I said, sweeping outside and shoveling snow, cause I'm from Colorado, go Broncos. And, you know, just basically helping my dad do extractions and, you know, all type of procedures where I was allowed to sit in on and, and, and really get engaged in, you know, you see these things and you, you know, you see, you know, the ups and the downs and, and you see how to scale and, and, you see how to take care of patients. And I think the number one thing I learned just to, just to wrap all that up is, you know, if you do great work and you provide great quality of care, the money will come. The patients will come. The reputation will come. The accolades and, and everything else, you know, will come. I mean, my dad worked, you know, all the time and, you know, he, but he was always home. My mom worked all the time and they were always, you know, they, they always had that great balance, which I think is very important. And, you know, he was the first African-American on the Colorado Dental Board of Examiners. He was, or the, uh, the Dental Board of Examiners. He was, uh, you know, elected by the governor. And so, you know, and that was basically because, you know, he focused on great quality of care. And, you know, I remember he told me a story one time that, you know, a lot of athletes used to come in and they wanted gold fronts. You know, that was the, that was the theme back in the day. You know, you shave down your teeth and you have gold teeth. And, that type of practice for him could have financially set him, you know, on a trajectory that could have, you know, changed everything. But he always said that number one, it's not good care for your teeth to cut your teeth down like that. But number two, he just didn't want the type of environment that came with it. It wasn't like it was a bad environment. He just wanted to focus more on the community-based patients and the patients that may not have the resources to come in and pay cash. And through that business acumen and through my mom's help, he was able to become very successful to the point where, you know, he was elected and had all the accolades. So that's one thing that I take away it's, from it's that interesting specific that you situation. keep on mentioning the business acumen. What you're essentially saying is that you didn't just see him as a clinician. You saw him really as an, a them, as an as entrepreneurs, and you were very much exposed to that side. And I know that you are very much. unusual. You have you have an MBA, which I think is Correct. which I think is quite unusual um, amongst clinic owners. Very often, 
Definitely. I mean, you know, and, you know, I was blessed to be able to see this type of uh, a business experience because, like I said, you're going to have your ups, you're going to have your downs. There's going to be other aspects of, of business that change your thought process and, and, and what you do. And more importantly, dentistry is a whole nother specialty than what I do, you know, from an aesthetic standpoint and from a uh, wound care standpoint. But it, again, the common theme is provide great care, be consistent, make sure your patients know that you're there for them and all everything else will come. And, um, you know, having that type of uh, being able to be around that is, is, was very, very beneficial. So, you know, I credit, I credit them a, a huge amount for, you know, where we are today. Um, just before we started recording the podcast, you mentioned to me that you have um, a, that one thing that's very important to you is providing mm -hmm. services to minorities. Um, Correct. So tell me a little bit about that. Right. So, you know, I am a proud graduate of historically black colleges and universities, Xavier University of Louisiana, as well as, well as Mary Harry Medical College, Howard University as well. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that it is very important to continue to reach out to all sectors and all groups of, of individuals and races and, and ethnicities. But I definitely think that there is a need to continue to increase healthcare resources for underserved communities and populations, which are typically those of color. And, you know, you know, being involved with the historically black colleges and universities has been a great experience. And one thing that we do learn is that we want to make sure that we continue to perpetuate you know, our clinical skills and our business skills so that we can pass that on to the next generation so that we can continue to provide great care. And, you know, just with, you know, what's been going on in the world over the last year and specifically over the last six months or so, it, it, it's really important to reach out to, to you know, those community-based members. And, you know, if you're not involved in that type of community and you're doing very well, it's time to take a look at how you can help some of those folks. And, you know, that's one thing that, that we've always tried to do specifically with our family foundation and continuing to work with our, you know, our institutions, um, our historically black college and, uh, and university institutions, you know, that's one thing that we want to do, continue to teach, give back and help provide access to those populations. Okay, so you're talking about, um, about teaching and things like that. What right. about in terms of, uh, you know, aesthetic services? Well, so aesthetic services is key. So, so we're a, we are a, um, not, we're, we're not an unusual medical practice because there are minorities that are dermatologists and plastic surgeons and, and internal medicine, et cetera, that have medical practices. But I think one thing that we do try to do is focus on working with providers of color and focus on working of all races, not necessarily just African-American. I mean, there's, there's Asian Americans, Indian Americans, Native Americans, et cetera. And so we, we, we try to bring every single ethnicity-based segment of the population to our practice. And we try to have a provider that represents that because that helps, number one, the brand uh, it continue to improve, but that's also our way of reaching out to those populations that may not have the resources that the majority populations have. So everyone should be comfortable in the clinic, essentially. Exactly. Everyone should be comfortable in the clinic, but obviously from a clinical standpoint, you know, treating different skin colors and Fitzpatrick scale, you know, a one is going to be different from a five, et cetera. 
you know, you also need to be clinically competent in how to treat those patients. So for instance, if, if a provider is in Iowa and, you know, and they're, you know, seeing the majority of their patients are the major, majority population, and they're looking at FP1s and 2s all day, you know, and you come to Washington, D.C. and into our area, and the majority of the patients could be 3s and 4s. But you want, to, you want to understand how to treat both of those because then you're providing the best care. And that's what we try to do when we're looking at working with those minority populations and those minority patients with the providers. Okay, I want to pick up on something you, you talked about your marketing earlier. You talked about how you market the providers. Um, so tell me a little bit about your marketing. What, what's really working? What, what are you doing? What's really working for you right now? You know, I think, you know, from us, from a marketing standpoint, is that we focus on working with providers that have great engagement with their specific patients, specifically on social media, because obviously now social media is king from Instagram to you know, to uh, Facebook, et cetera. Uh, and we find those providers that have great engagement, that, you know, are doing, you know, great um, non-for-profit work or great community-based work, as well as great healthcare work. And then, you know, that's who we ended up, that's who we end up wanting to partner with. And so, that's so actual criteria when you're picking who to bring into the right. practice, that's something you actually look at. What is this? We, yes, we do. Practice? We do. We, 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 we like the balance of, of, you know, the aesthetic side and working with the aesthetic patient, but we also like how we can help some of the folks that may not have, may not understand about aesthetics or may not have the resources to have aesthetic procedures that they may need done. And then we figure out how to make that work. Um, and that's key. And that's, that's really important when we're looking at working with different providers, just from a marketing standpoint, you know, we're doing all the usual stuff, the IGs, you know, the Facebook, but what, what we've really been able to scale with uh, is just our word of mouth, our reputation and kind of how we practice in general. So when, when you bring the providers in up to now, they've been promoting themselves how do you really yes. get them to promote the practice as well? Because I could see a situation where, mm -hmm. you know, they've got to really understand what the practice is, is about and it takes mm -hmm. a certain commitment to then shift what they're doing on social media. So how, how do you convince them to do that or get them to do that? Well, you know, what we do is again, and this is why it's very important to work with providers that share the same, you know, business, uh, you know, mission as you do. And so what we essentially do is when we have our contracts and we sit down and we, and we chat, we say, hey, listen, you know, we're going to work with you to include our practice in some of your marketing. They can keep what they have, continue their, their IGs and, and, and their Facebooks or whatever they have. That's fine. But what we do is we say, hey, Dr. Smith is going to be working with us today and their specialty is hydrofacial. Uh, you know, obviously that's a more of an esthetician based, um, you know, treatment, but, you know, Dr. Smith is here today and Dr. Smith focuses on utilizing, you know, an injectable and they're the ones that are focusing on this aspect of the injectable. And so we just connect the two concepts and then just let their practice sell the rest. So how, how far ahead do you, how, how far ahead do you plan to allow them to coordinate that? I mean, as soon as they ended up, as soon as they start signing with us and as soon as we start working with them, it's just whatever, whatever week or day or time that they want to come in. And so if they come in on a Monday, you know, we, we gather content, we send it to our marketing and our uh, social media 
um, manager. She does a great job of making sure everything's set up. And all we do is draw a correlation between what they've done. And we caption, hey, uh, Capital Aesthetic and Laser Center, Dr. Smith is here today. He or she is doing this. Hope to see you soon. And that's what, it. What's your biggest marketing challenge? I think the biggest marketing challenge is reaching out to um, is reaching out to patients that are outside of our general area from a email standpoint. So we, you know, you're always changing. You're always looking at different ways to continue to improve. And so, you know, we work with consultants just like most people do. And one thing they were saying is, you know, email is, is something that is important because you want to continue to stay in touch and engage potential clients. So putting together that email list has always been crazy for us because we always think that, you know, that the, the Facebook and the IG and word of mouth is better, but you know, you always want to make sure that you're touching each one of those different type of marketing concepts. So building, so I would definitely build, say email. Build, building the email list. I mean, just, just figuring out how to, you know, what to put on to send to who, because I mean, you, you know, you have an email that's in DC, you have an email in Loudoun County, you have an email in Falls Church, you have an email in Bethesda, you, have, you know, we have emails from everyone in the area, but it's different demographics and it's different concepts and it's different treatments that that specific market volume may be, uh, may want as opposed to someone who doesn't. So that's the biggest challenge. So, that, so essentially marketing, when you have lots of different segments, so marketing for different segments. Correct, 100%, yes. And, and have you managed to overcome that or is that something that's still a challenge? I mean, I think that marketing in general in all aspects is always a challenge because, you know, if you're, if you're doing something 100% right, then you got to figure out how to do the next thing 100% right. So it's always ongoing. You know, that's what business is. You're always changing and looking at different ways to do things and do things well. So to shift something completely different, um, mm -hmm. I know that you guys have done a fantastic job with telehealth, um, especially mm -hmm. during COVID, um, and especially on the wound side. Um, yes. I was wondering whether you could tell me a little bit about that. And I'd also like yeah. to hear um, how you think that could apply in the future to, to the aesthetic side as well. Definitely. So we have a uh, practice that we have been working on probably about a year before COVID hit. And actually, actually just serendipitously because of COVID, we've been able to, to partner and, and kind of scale and ramp this. And it's called Dr. Wounds. And basically we, you know, contact, well, we don't contact, but we have resources for folks that have issues with wounds to consult us to help them with the treatment and the management of that wound. And, and we do all that based on telemedicine. We're also working with telemedicine in our long-term care um, um, you know, contracts to make sure that those patients have oversight and to make sure when they're admitted, we can scale or we can um, um, you know, uh, stage the wound and make sure the wound doesn't have any issues, provide that initial treatment until the provider can get into the facility. And I mean, telemedicine is the rave right now, right? I mean, three or four years ago, everyone was like, I don't know if it's going to work. We want to be with our doctor. We want to sit with our doctor. And now Teladoc stock is through the roof, you know, right? So I think that telemedicine will be here to stay. It will continue to be here. And how our practice focuses on that is we specialize in the wound care space. 
And I think why we're different from other telemedicine platforms and companies, et cetera, is that they're trying to do everything. If you have a stomach ache, call me. Your head hurts, call me. You hurt yourself, call me. You break a leg, call me. Our focus is that we have board certified providers and nurses that all we focus on is how to treat wounds. And so we kind of put that sub, sub, sub specialty into a compartment that we can then uh, help out those patients that may have issues with their wounds. So that's one thing that's that we've a been rapidly specialization, which I'm sure attracts a whole load of patients simply because you're so specialized. Exactly, exactly. But more importantly, I think that wound care, you know, dermatology, et cetera, a lot of these specialties are more visual than, you know, it's, it, it's a very visual diagnostic based specialty. So being able to see the wound is just as important as being able to touch or listen to somebody's heart if you're a cardiologist. So, you know, telemedicine with our specific subspecialty matches very well, and I definitely see it continuing to scale. So you're not using it at the moment on the aesthetic side, is that right? Correct. So we do use virtual consultations okay. currently. So we use a uh, aesthetic record platform, not plugging them or anything, but that's essentially what we use. And so all of our staff does virtual consults and they can do it from anywhere, but typically it's done in the office. And, you know, when someone contacts the practice, we do our virtual consult there and, you know, we address their problem areas and see how we can clinically help them from an aesthetic standpoint. It's the same concept that we use on the wound care side. It's obviously just a different platform. Okay. So it's obviously COVID right now. It's impossible to yes. the, the elephant in the room. How yes. do you guys manage through COVID? So again, discussing um, before, Miriam, is that we have two aspects of the practice. We have our fee-for-service wound care and our aesthetic side. So we've been fortunate that the wound care side continued to you know, increase and excel because of a lot of the issues within the nursing homes and wound care resources and providers are needed. So we've continued to kind of churn and burn there. And from the aesthetic side- Perfectly positioned to really grow during COVID. Correct, correct. And specifically with the telemedicine side, which we already have that platform. So we're continuing to build and partner and you know, work with larger financial institutions to help us to continue to scale on that aspect. And you know, from the aesthetic side, our practice in DC was an essential medical practice. So abiding by all the COVID laws and rules, et cetera, and making sure everybody was safe, we were able to see patients you know, that could get to the office on the wound care side. And we were also able to do virtual consults from the aesthetic side and then have those patients come in on a totally different day once we were able to do fee-for-service-based procedures in the DC area. So we were able to control kind of both and after COVID, we've continued to excel. And I'm sure a lot of practices would say the same thing. Obviously, you're going to have aesthetic and, and, and um, cosmetic practices that weren't positioned well prior to COVID that have went out of business. I mean, there's a great article um, by the, you know, AMSA Spa 2020. It's like a big time survey. And they looked at how practices did medical practice and, you know, aesthetic practices, how they did in revenue in 2020 versus 2019 and what their outlook on 2021 is. 
and at least 56% of those patients increased in their revenue. And there were, there were practices around 22 to 23% that did 10% more in growth in 2020 than they did in 2019. And a lot of that is because the shift from, you know, uh, the shift from service-based industry travel, restaurants, going out, these, these service-based industries unfortunately took a hit, but everyone had a chance to kind of sit down and if you were financially, you know, if you had the financial resources, you were focusing on self-care. So you're getting your facials, you're, you're, you're doing some of your aesthetic procedures because you have the downtime, you're not in the office every single day. So the industry is really starting to, you know, kind of, you know, uh, excel because if you're positioned from a business standpoint and a strong point, then you have that ability to continue to grow. And you know, there's a lot of practices that are really doing well. I mean, you know, the average aesthetic clinic, you know, is doing between two to three million a year in gross revenue. And, you know, about 20% of those clinics or 20% of the clinics are over 3 million, but you're not really doing a super large amount. I mean, everyone thinks that, you know, you're making a lot of money in aesthetics when really you're just trying to cover your overhead from week to week and month to month. So beyond um, the fact that you were so well diversified, which was clearly a big factor here, what right. do you think really gave you the edge to be able to get through this crisis? Because despite what you just said, a lot of clinics have really struggled yes. through this crisis. Yes. So yes. What, do you th- what do you think it is that really allowed you beyond the diversification, which is probably the number one factor, what else do you think really set you up so that you managed during this, that, that, well, you know, no- you were managed during this crisis? Number one, like I said, the the wound care side, which is the diversification. But the most important thing is we had a loyal customer base with each one of our providers, number one. And then number two, being in the area and the location that we are. We're in the D.C. location. You know, you know, we're fortunate to have very wealthy counties around us and they have the resources to stay at home. A lot of them didn't, you know, stop working, you know, as far as our you know, as far as our patient clientele. So instead of flying to Mexico, which they usually do in April, you know, they're coming in to, you know, get their injectables done, or they're coming in to get those neuromodulators done because they're not going to be in the office. So they have time to do that. And they're not spending that 5,000 going on a cruise to location, 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 (laughs) location, location location is key. And, 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 you know, my comments before are not to dismiss the fact that a lot of aesthetic practices and medical practices in general have closed. I mean, you know, almost 15% of, you know, the startups within the last couple of years because of COVID, you know, have unfortunately closed based on some of the clinical research out there. But if you're positioned well, well, and you understand the basics of business, you know, you can navigate these times and, you know, look at your PPP, look at your economic disaster injury loans that you know that are out there and there's resources that can help you continue to 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 excel and i'm not sure if it's the same uh where you guys are there in the uk but uh, i'm sure there's there's some type of financial help uh to help some of those struggling businesses of course of course there is i think after three lockdowns even some very large clinics are struggling now yeah Um, but they if, if they're in a position where they can reopen 
Um, I think mm -hmm. a lot of clinics will see a surge immediately afterwards because, um, you know, everyone, that's what's happened after each lockdown. Everyone wants to come right. back and then they make up yeah. from there. Um, what's coming exactly. up for you that you're really excited about? What, what else are you guys working on that, that, that you have to look forward to over 2021? Well, a lot of great things. You'll definitely have to check us out at cwswounds.com as well as our capitalaestheticsdc.com. Definitely come visit us if you're in the D.C. area. We're really focused on continuing to reach out to our patients via virtual consultation, telemedicine. But one of the major things that we're really focused on from a community-based standpoint is continuing to reach out to those underserved areas. And we're, we're focusing on a lot of, uh, you know, a portion of our revenue that comes in on both of those tiers of the business. We're focusing on how we can work with our family foundation to reach out to those you know, those underserved populations via telemedicine. So, you know, we're involved in, you know, we're working on a couple grants right now uh, that is focused on providing social work resources and nurses in those impoverished communities and providing uh, iPads and technology and a central location where they can go and connect with the provider. Uh, we'll start out with the wound care side because that's our specialty. And then, you know, we'd like to partner with with other larger institutions to provide, you know, some of those general overall preventative checks, you know, hey, how's everything going? Talk to us, you know, do you need help on the psychiatric side? Do you need help with, you know, drug rehabilitation? Do you need help with your diabetic medication? Well, you know, they have someone that they can communicate with and we're hoping to help folks out from a conduit standpoint and we can push them to the resources that help them get better. So the charity side essentially sounds like it's yes. something that you're very, very, that you care about a lot. hundred percent. That's something that we're really focused on. And like I said, reaching out to some of those disadvantaged minority-based communities and, you know, communities, not necessarily just minorities, but disadvantaged or underutilized is from a healthcare standpoint uh, areas. So not just wounds, not just aesthetic, <laughs> but the charitable side as well. I can see now why you're a very, very busy guy. <laughs> it's the plan. I mean, you know, hey, listen, you, you, you know, I, I'm 100% all about continuing to pay it forward. And, you know, if you're blessed with certain situations and um, experiences, you want to pass that down so that we can continue to increase uh, helping as many people as possible. And the more you do that, the better, because it'll come back to you. Okay, great. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll end there. But just before we go, if people want to get in touch with you, you, you mentioned a couple of websites. And of course, we're going yes. to put, we'll put all the details in the show notes as well. But if you just want to repeat, if people want to get back, get in touch with you, how do they do that? Well, well first of all, about. I'd like to say, first of all, thank you. I mean, it was great speaking with you. I love how you what you guys are doing. I've seen your last podcast and, you know, just keep, keep doing what you're doing. You know, you're doing awesome. And when I get over there, we're definitely gonna have to hang out at some point. <laughs> But uh, you can reach us at uh, capitalaestheticdc.com and that's our aesthetic side. Uh, we focus on all the non-invasive aesthetic procedures. We have some great uh, procedures we're gonna start in the future coming up in 2021. So check us out there as well as comprehensive wound care services. We're at cwswounds.com and we focus on the long-term care, the in-office wound care, and then Dr. Wounds, our telemedicine project, which you can find uh, on our website at cwswounds.com. So, We'd love to join. Uh, we'd love to work with you if you're a provider and we look forward to continuing great patient care. Perfect. So like I said, we'll put all those details in the show notes. In the meanwhile, Dr. Jonathan Johnson, thank you very, very much for your time. It was fantastic. No problem. 
And for everyone else, I will see you on the next episode of How I Scaled My Aesthetic Clinic.